0: Sometimes you just need a little spiritual guidance to help get your life back together It can be compared to Mosaic Art Many little pieces that come together to form something beautiful Welcome to the Mosaic Garden Your host is Mosaic Shaman Christy Ellen Christy and her guests are here to ensure that your life is just as you deserve it to be Happy Now here's your host Christy Ellen.
1: Welcome to the garden today. I'm very glad you're here to join in conversation with us in the garden. As always, we are very happy to be here on this beautiful summer day. There is lots of flowers blooming and the sky is blue. And when those kind of days come about, it's extra special to be happy Um, and it's easy to be happy even when it's raining. I love all sorts of weather and we've had some rain here in Arizona and now we're having some beautiful sunshine. So I'm hoping that wherever you are in your life right now is a good place to be where you're finding joy and happiness and everything that surrounds you. No matter what's going on, the weather or things that are happening in the news, you're still going to find a place to go inside and find that grounded place where your heart resides, where you can find peace, love, and safety. Now, I'm out here sharing the message of hope, faith, and love, because I think right now we need it more than ever before. And there's so many messages that are bombarding us at this time to help us forget or or make it. It's not even help because we don't want to. We don't need any help. We have enough worry going on in our mind anyway. But it actually plants a seed of fear and worry. And today we're going to be talking about living in times of turmoil. And we're going to be talking about one of those things that we have to deal with when we live in turmoil is is fear and worry. And as I teach here on the show, all things are possible when you're willing to let go of what's not working, to have what does, walk through your fears, and change your story and change your life. That's what we're going to be talking about today here in the garden, having a, a deep, heartfelt conversation about how we can deal with living in in a time of turmoil. So before we start that conversation today, let's do our prayer shamanic meditation. So please take and get in a comfortable spot. Take this moment for yourself. Let go of whatever you're doing unless you're driving a car. We've always talked about that, and you're you're smart, common people you know not to be common sense. Your common sense is very intuitive. So if you're driving a car, just listen and then go back and listen to the pre-records here on Voice America. So right now, for everyone who can and is in that position, let's take our sacred time together. Put your feet on the floor, drop into your breath, allowing the breath to fill the belly. As it softens and exhale, any stress and emotions that you're holding that aren't conducive to moving forward with your breath. Exhaling, letting go of anything that's not working right now. Allowing the mind to know that in one hour, you can go back to thinking about all those things. But right now, we're going to have an hour free to open up and to listen to something new that may change the way the mind sees things in the future. So, right now, in this present moment, because all we get is this present moment, we're connected to our breath. Allowing your breath to come in and exhale as you go out. Allowing the shoulders to drop. Going to that sacred space inside your heart, that place that holds hope faith and love, that place in your heart where you know that you are one with your creator, that you are a spiritual being having an earthly experience and that you are connected to the divine spirituality of your higher source. In that garden as you connect with that source having a conversation about love, about hope, how do you continue to have hope? Where is it That you hold that in your body, the resistance to it, and the joy of hope. And faith. It requires faith to move forward into a life where all things are possible. That faith is moving through your fears, letting things go that aren't working for you. One of those things is worry. Worry. Are you a warrior, a worry warrior? Are you a warrior who declares itself as I worry because I care about people. If I didn't worry, how would I be a good mom? If I didn't worry, how would I be a good dad? If I didn't worry, how would I be a good citizen? Well, let's talk about worry for a minute. Because if you're a worrier and you're carrying that around, let's see what it looks like. Let's see what worry really means. Because in the Old English definition, the word for worry means wargom, wargom. Which means to strangle. So the definition of worry is to strangle. And ring, for as in worrying, ring means neck being wrung. So when you're worrying, you're strangling and your neck's being rung. That's what it means in the old English word for worry. For worry means to strangle any growth that you want to develop. Worry held in the body comes out as anxiety, which then we ca- causes strokes, illnesses, sicknesses. All sorts of things can be taken back to anxiety because we're always doing anti-stress this and anti-stress that to let stress out of the body, right? So you're not holding stress anymore. And stress is, is things that they'll say cancer is caused by stress. Suicides are caused by stress. depression's caused by stress. All of that that comes from anxiety and worrying that brings on stress. So let's look at worry again. It's, it's like putting a rope around your neck and strangling your life force. It, it truly means to stop your creativity. You cannot have creativity in that form. You can't even have thought and inspiration. Anytime your neck becomes tight, it shuts a blow off to your head, so you can't even think straight. So when people are in worry and they have that strangulation going on of shutting off everything, they can't even think straight to, call, uh, to come up with a solution for the problems they're having. Does Murray move you forward towards your goal, the goal that you put out there, the vision you have for your life in one year? We talked about that that when I was on the seventh wave, that you put a vision out of what you want to see your life to look like. And then every decision you make will take you either away or towards that vision. But it's important to have a vision and goal, and we'll talk about that later in other shows. But to have that vision and goal, which you can go to soulhealerspath.com and learn about what it means to have a vision, a goal, a vision board, affirmations inspiring words all those things and visualization what that all means but when you have your goal out there is your worry taking you towards it or away from it is it more effective to be worrying than to be in a place of relaxation and peace when you're in relaxation you can think your brain is free to think you know to um one of those things in my family, it was that we are warriors and we're made to worry and warriors are good people. That's what I was taught. I was taught by my aunt and family members. I don't want to point fingers, but everyone, all the women in my family worried because if you were a good mom, you worried. And I knew that if I was in that pit of worry, I couldn't help my child make a decision to move themselves out of the problem they were in because I got in the problem with them when I stepped into worry and I wanted to help them get out of that problem, um, I know there's been some things that go on in, in your life that cause you pain and strife and you're trying to figure out how to solve them. They went on my life as well. I had a, I had a child that got in trouble and, and spent some time behind, uh, incarcerated and that was really hard and my family members would call and say, oh, I bet you're so worried and you're so upset and I bet you're really stressed about this. And I said, no, but I'm sure my child is because that my child's in that position. I didn't put him there. And he put himself there, and so he had to deal with that situation. And so I didn't want to go down that road and get caught in that worry because if I did, I wouldn't be able to help him. And then I had another child who bought a sailboat and sailed across the United States from L.A. to New Zealand, and he was gone for 13 months. And I would have family members call and say, oh, my gosh, you must be so worried. In fact, I had family members come to me and said, don't tell him not to go. Tell him not to do that. Tell him not to go after his dream because he'll cause discomfort for us. That's why they weren't saying that. They were saying that because something might happen. And isn't that what worry is about? It's about the discomfort that if something goes wrong, it's going to cause you and that you're going to feel discomfort. Of course, I encouraged him to go and helped him go. And he had an amazing journey and has great stories to tell about that, about sailing. In both these situations, I didn't take on the worry of my children. I kept myself in a place where I could help them when they needed it. There's an epidemic right now of worry going on in this country and is toxic and it's based on fear fear of other people fear of self and just fear of life and it's given to us at the media at all times we see it all over the place you should fear this and this one if he looks like this he acts like this as he says that you should be fearful these are false beliefs and stories that are not real the media puts these ideas into our head. You know, if you go to a movie now, you don't even have to see the gory details of that movie. They're just going to plant thoughts in your head and you're going to create something far bigger than they could ever create. Whether it's uh, violence or happiness or love or whatever, they just plant the seed and all of a sudden you go there. That's how powerful your imagination is. That's how powerful you are at creating. And so, when these these stories are put in inside, they start going into the body, and the body holds this worry. And then, you have a problem inside where you don't know how to fix it, and you maybe try to find someone else to help you fix it. And the problem is that we used to have to deal with things outside of ourselves. Our worries and fears came from something coming at us to hurt us, and now it's coming from within, because we've had ideas planted in our inside of us to um, create fear and worry and all of that distress inside. So in order to take and heal it, you've got to go inside. You've got to go inside and find it. You've got to write about it, bring it to the surface so you can see it, so it becomes real, so that you know that it's there. Because if it's hiding in there like a monster under the bed, you can't see it. And when someone in a relationship is trying to help another person in that relationship, they want to fix them, the problem, but their problem is, isn't something they can fix because it's not outside the person dealing with it. The person dealing with the worry and the stress and the fear has it inside. And when you're crying out and saying, I need some help, you can't see it. You lift up the bed and the monster's not there because the monster is inside. And it has to be dealt with from that place by letting go of the story. And how do we do that? By writing writing it down. Doing some writing and write and burn. Write, burn the story, let it go, let it let it leave By letting it go, putting your hand on your heart after doing so and saying, I'm okay, I'm safe. Whenever you feel stress and anxiety, put your hand on your heart, tap it, I'm safe no matter what happens. Try that for a moment. Just put your hand on your heart. I'm safe no matter what happens. Everyone else is safe no matter what happens. We're all safe no matter what happens. If you could believe that life is divinely blessed to move the way it's supposed to move, that everything falls into place. I think one of the reasons most people are afraid is they're afraid of dying, right? But dying is one of those things that's going to happen to all of us. It's the only thing we signed on for when we came into this world. So to worry about it at this point would be fruitless. If we could embrace the idea that there's no attachment to anything that Buddha teaches, no attachment, you could live in the moment right now and be happy, knowing That right now you are safe. And don't think that people that deal with worry are those that are dealing with food or poverty or housing problems. Because if that were true, the people who have food and money and prosperity in this world wouldn't have worry. And they have worry just as well. So it's something that goes across the board for everyone. We all have to deal with it. And to learn to relax. To relax into enjoying where you're at. Learning to relax. And that doesn't mean I'm saying go get a massage or go to a spa or vacation. That's a temporary fix for relaxation. I'm talking about meditation. I'm talking about the four keystone principles that we have talked about before. Awareness. Being aware. Bring it to the surface. Write about it. See it. See what you're worrying about. See if it's true or not. Because, you know, only 90% of the things we worry about never even happen. So we have all this worry going on for something that's never even gonna happen. So write it down, see that it's there, see that it's real, give attention to it, give it, you know, the priorities of, of what do you really want to do when you have awareness? Where do you really want to be in your life and what do you really want to believe? Then get the education, which is number two. Education is about having boundaries. How do I treat myself? How do I treat others? How do I learn to treat myself better? and treat others better. How you education on the facts so that maybe this thing I'm worried about really isn't real. Action is the third one. Positive movement to relax, worry, to write it down, visualization, all the things I was talking about, visualizing it, write it down, let it go, take time to meditate. Don't allow yourself to go down that road. Start training your brain and running your brain instead of letting your brain run you. And the next is support. Support is the mystic. It's it's the personal journey um, into source and listening deep, following that time and guidance and direction of your true self, going inside to see where it really, really is the voice of understanding that there really is love that you could choose instead of fear. You have one source of energy. How do you use that one source? How are you using the source of energy you have are you wasting it? Or are you using it to help you move forward? What are you meant to do and how do you get it done? Do you force it or do you go into the flow of it? Do you force your life to happen or do you go into the flow of it? All throughout history we have had examples of those, how this works and from those who force it and those who just go with the flow of it. My guest today is John Vaspison and I hope I'm saying that right in if Vespasian, thank you, Vespasian. And um, he's here to talk to us about those experiences of either being an entrepreneur or a crusader, as he said in his book. And we're going to take a break, and when we come back, we're going to bring John on to talk to us about his books that he has written on how to deal with the turmoil that's going on right now in the world. Thank you.
0: We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market.
2: It's time to live an inspired life. Join Christy Allen, the Mosaic Shaman, as she enhances the quality of your life healing with art is Christy's focus at soulhealerpath.com if you follow the steps and use the skill that Christy Ellen teaches in Soul Healers Path Life Coaching doing your part and taking 100% of the responsibility for your life changing your life story then in one year's time you could be living the inspired life of your dreams Soul Healers Path Life Coaching offers four life coaching packages starting with a serpent path which is all about awareness and letting go of what you do not want have and embracing what you do. Go to Soul Healers Path and sign up for a one month session of Clearing the Light Body. So come and walk the medicine wheel with Christy Ellen. Visit soulhealerpath.com or call 435 260 9598 for a special newcomers one month coaching package for just $300. Christy Ellen is an intuitive healer and master creator. Let her guide you to living the life to which you were born to live.
0: This is Welcome to the Mosaic Garden with Christy Ellen. To connect with the show today, please call 1 346 9141. That's 1 346 9141. Or you may send an email to healingart.kp at gmail.com. Now, back to Welcome to the Mosaic Garden. Welcome back to the Gardens. This is Christy
1: Ellen. And we, uh, the Mosaic Shaman, I'm so glad you're here having conversation in the garden with us today. My guest today is John Vespasian. I hope I'm saying that right. And uh, I know that, I hope you'll forgive me, John. My pronunciation is not always the best. But John is here to talk to us today about living in times of turmoil. John is the author of eight books about rational living, including Where Everything Falls Apart, Try This?, Unbecoming, Unbreakable, How Normal People Become Extraordinary Self-Confident. And his latest book is Thriving in Difficult Times, 12 Lessons from Ancient Greece to Improve Your Life. I'm so excited for you to be here, John.
3: Uh, Thanks, Christy Ellen. Thanks for inviting me to your show.
1: Well, it was when you sent your information and I looked at all the intriguing things you do and the subject you talk about, I couldn't wait to have you here. So tell me, John, Uh, as... We look at this about history. What is the most important lesson from history that we can learn so that we don't repeat it again?
3: Well, the most important lesson is that uh, you have to see your life um, as a whole. You have to see that uh, you're going to live uh, 70, 80, 90, perhaps uh, 100 years uh, these days, and um, this is something that uh, is very difficult to keep um, uh, in our mind because we tend to react uh, very short term. We have to, to, uh, to avoid uh, making uh, hasty decisions and making hasty mistakes, and this is very difficult uh, for human beings. But uh, most problems and most uh, worry, stress, uh, depression, uh, disappear fairly quickly if you look at your life uh, in terms of the of whole um, period of uh, 90, 80 years, 100 years, because many problems that uh, we, tend to over- we tend to overemphasize to exaggerate uh, in the short term, when you think uh, that in 10 years, 20 years, you will not even remember the problem, um, you tend to actually to get uh, the right perspective. And this is a lesson from history that has been repeated over and over again. Every person who is born has to learn this, uh, this principle And it's very difficult to implement in practice because uh, we become uh, very emotional when we face problems. But uh, I think it's a lesson that we should remind ourselves of every day.
1: So these problems we're hanging on to that we think that are the end of all for everything or matter the most will dissipate and become nothing in a few years. Why is it that people do that, that they hang on to that? And, I mean, they do it in their own lives. Um, we do it historically, but individually, if someone says something to you you don't like, you're, you're up in the middle of the night repeating it over and over and over again. You forget all the hundreds of great things that you did and heard during the day, but that one thing that you didn't say or didn't do right could drive you crazy. What causes that to happen within a human being?
3: Well, this is uh, perfectly natural because uh, to a great extent, uh, we're still animals. Uh, we tend to, be, to think um, of danger at something extremely um, um, life or death. We tend to exaggerate uh, our problems to the extent that we cannot even get to sleep. Um, We tend to turn uh, problems in our our minds uh, over and over again for hours and hours. Uh, Sometimes people get extremely depressed and extremely anxious, and this is natural. It is not something you really have to strive to do because you get it automatically. What is really difficult is to become a little bit more rational, a little bit more uh, uh, serene, to have some peace of mind, this requires uh, some discipline, requires some, uh, I would say, some learning, some reading, and this is something that uh, is very difficult to acquire because it will take some effort, but it's one of the best investments you can do in your life, because once just... you get the habit of thinking a bit more rationally, uh, you will gather the, the rewards uh, for decades,
1: so if you can just stop it, stop the insanity of going over and over again and do the work because it does require work. I, I agree that people shun away from it because it seems easier just to stay with the old routine. But when it takes its toll on its body and the body starts showing up and having ailments that, are, that even take people's lives because they're not addressing it, I would think it would be worth it to take the time to learn the, what it, whatever needs to be learned, the techniques to change that. To stop what that yeah. craziness is going on. So when you when you talk about rest, when I say to you, um, it's an interesting topic that's come up in a lot of conversations with women I've been with lately about um, self-care and to be able to be rested, the mind rested. And when I ask a woman, you know, what's your self-care? She goes and gets a pedicure or manicure or gets her hair done or, or a massage, um, What? I look at that and I think a lot of people go out there and say, I want to take in care of myself and self-care means going out to do something else that may actually bring stress in because when you're done with the massage, you've got to go back to everything. It, it's not a cure for any of that. Does it help to take restful times and how, would you, how do you take restful times?
3: Well, um, it's not so much about uh, buying some specific service or I mean, massage or, or taking some medication or just to change, I mean, to go shopping, which uh, you can also use as a relaxation. (laughs) But uh, I think um, the challenge is to get uh, habits that are going to improve your life uh, on a permanent basis. Just let me give you some examples. Uh, My latest book is is about uh, ancient Greece. I mean, we are talking Mm -hmm. about 25 centuries ago. And You see the habits that uh, were recommended by Hippocrates, who was a a great uh, ancient Greek uh, physician, uh, to keep people healthy in the long term. And uh, let me just ma- mention a couple of them because it's something that is extremely valuable and very, very much uh, inexpensive. First thing that uh, Hippocrates recommended as a very good practice uh, to have a healthy life um, is to consume uh, vegetable soup. And this is, I mean, I'm talking about vegetable soup you make yourself, not what you buy in the supermarket. I mean, you have to buy the vegetables and you have to, to make the soup, which is extremely easy to do. I mean, the okay. hypothesis uh, has his own recipe uh, with carrots, potatoes, tomatoes, uh, leek. Um, I mean, it's, it's very, very easy to do. It takes about uh, 20 minutes. I mean, you can, do for the, you can make it for the whole week. And then uh, to drink some soup uh, every day, this is one of the best things you can do because it will improve your immune system. It will improve your uh, resistance to infections. I mean, it's something that people were doing already 25 centuries ago. Um, it was something that uh, even in the in the Middle Ages, it was basically the the most important medicine to consume uh, vegetable soup, and it's something that unfortunately many many people in the in the 21st century uh, they, they, they they never heard about it. They they go to the doctor, they want to have medication, they go to a massage, uh, they they enroll in some uh, therapy, while they could adopt uh, this simple habit and improve their lives uh, enormously. And just to mention a second, um, a second habit that uh, people had in ancient Greece and also in, the, in previous uh, eras is to, to, to drink uh, herbal tea, which is a habit that uh, I adopted immediately as I started to research um, uh, ancient Greece. I realized that uh, this was also one of the main sources of uh, well-being. They consume a lot of uh, mint uh, tea, um, uh, chamomile, uh, sage, and all these uh, herbal teas, they are very inexpensive and very easy to prepare. And if you, if you get the habit of uh, drinking herbal tea instead of soda, uh, you, you will also reduce, I think, your um, uh, nervousness and your anxiety enormously because uh, they tend to be very relaxing and very good for, ing- for your immune system. So these are the kind of habits that uh, I want to discover in history and that I recommend in my books.
1: Excellent. I know my grandmother would start her day out with a cup of tea And uh, a piece of toast. And and that's how she would sit on her porch, enjoy the sunshine, talk to her flowers, and have her tea. And, you know, I I was listening and thinking, 20 minutes to make this this soup. It takes me more than that to drive across the town to buy soup from someplace. It would take me longer than 20 minutes. And so to be able to spend 20 minutes and actually... Eat the vegetables that I'm touching. I know there's a lot to be said now about touching the food as you prepare it and eat it. I I grow a vegetable garden in the summer. And I know I'm much more healthy in the summer than I am in the wintertime when I'm eating vegetables from my garden. So um, you're saying that to keep a healthy and low uh, health at low cost would be to make vegetable soup and eat herbal and drink herbal tea. That would help the body. And this is what you found out that um, the Greeks were doing in history? Yes, well,
3: this, yes, these are, these are a couple of examples. I mean, I really uh, uh, um, present in my books uh, dozens of uh, different ideas. I just want to mention a couple of them. Um, one of the principles that uh, you learn from history and from ancient Greece uh, in particular about uh, reducing stress and anxiety and depression is that um, uh, this uh, I, I discovered by reading uh, Plato, because he got this question also from his uh, students very often, uh, what can I do to, uh, to get rid of my problems, uh, to get rid of this um, worrying? And Plato said that uh, very, very often uh, the solution is very practical. The solution is not uh, so much um, to try to, to spend uh, a lot of effort uh, meditating. Sometimes the solution is very obvious, and it is just to move to a different uh, location. And this is something that many people don't want to hear because it sounds um, uh, sometimes a bit harsh uh, to leave your friends and your family behind, but uh, sometimes it's the only solution just to find uh, the right environment to develop your career, uh, to find better opportunities, to find perhaps uh, the love of your life, to to find uh, a a romantic partner, and sometimes you just have to move. And this is uh, something that uh, many people are, are willing to do, but also millions of people are completely against uh, any kind of uh, moving to any place because they just want to have uh, everything happening in their own place. And I tell you, this is very often very unrealistic and it's the reason for a lot of stress because if you are surrounded uh, by a very negative environment and you cannot really change it because it's, it's just like this and you have different ideas, you have different interests, you have uh, different, um, uh, different directions you want to give to your life, very, very often the solution is to move to a better place and this is something that uh, the Asian Greeks uh, did very often because they moved very often from city to city. They moved uh, against, uh, sorry, they move around the Mediterranean. They opened different um, uh, commercial uh, posts, uh, trading posts. And uh, they became very much um, uh, in, immersed in self-development mm-hmm. because they wanted always to, uh, to enjoy life to the most, to the fullest. And uh, very often the, the solution is just to move to a better
1: place. So self-development and the ability to grow. Um, Yes, sometimes we stay where our ancestors landed. And if it's not serving and helping us, we're not getting what I want out of it. The reason to to stay isn't just because grandma and great-grandmother so-and-so came here because they came there for a reason. I know people that have complained, I can't get a relationship, I can't find the love of my life. They're living in a place where there's not a lot of availability of that. So the willingness to move and say, okay, and that's just one one topic that we could talk about about why people um, would need to move, but then that would help reduce the high stress factor of making, trying to make something work that doesn't work. Yeah, there's a, there's a little bit about that that's just kind of crazy, isn't it?
3: Um, yes, it is, but it's also the, the typical human reaction. Huh? Uh, we always <laughs> go back to the same um, uh, debates. We always uh, try to, uh, to convince people of our ideas, and most of the time it's a waste of time. Uh, if you just cannot uh, find the right environment, if you cannot find people who share your values, Um, you will be more successful trying to look for these kind of people than to try to change um, uh, the mind of your friends and family that uh, sometimes is just not possible. I just want to mention another idea that I also got uh, by doing research on Asian Greece, and it's a very helpful uh, recipe against stress. And uh, one of the um, reasons why we become so stressed and so uh, sometimes depressed, I mean really deeply depressed, Uh, is because we have a very unrealistic uh, expectation of results. And let me just give you an example. Um, Many uh, problems like, I don't know, unemployment, or you have uh, financial problems, or you have uh, health problems, most problems can be solved. Uh, What is not possible is to solve the problems uh, overnight. Um, This is something that uh, we tend to become extremely upset when we, I don't know, we become sick or we become unemployed or we have uh, bankruptcy. And most, of the, most people recover uh, within a few years, and after a decade, uh, they actually see the whole thing as a learning experience. And this is, uh, yes. is easy to say uh, in retrospective, but um, Sino, who was an ancient um, uh, Greek philosopher, he lived in the first century before Christ, said, look, if you are going through a difficult situation, uh, whatever it is, health, uh, financial problems, whatever, and uh, you want to recover your peace of mind, which is really super important because otherwise you become so stressed that uh, you, you get sick. Uh, what Sino recommended is to try to find a feasible plan, to try to find uh, the steps, uh, you have to find out the steps you have to, to take, whether it's to change our lifestyle, uh, to change our profession, to get more training, I mean, whatever you have to do, and to make a realistic assessment of how much uh, time it's going to take uh, to recover. Because sometimes it's not one day, sometimes it could, be, could be months, could be years, uh, but if you just uh, start taking steps day after day in the right direction, you will recover your peace of mind very quickly, because you will see that uh, you are doing what you have to do, it's going to take some time, but you're in the right direction, you are moving little by little every day in the direction of recovering your health, recovering your finances, recovering your job, whatever it is, as soon as you take uh, steps every day in the right direction, and you have research uh, this plan, and you say, okay, this is going to work because it has worked for other people, as soon as you get uh, doing this day by day, you recover your peace of mind, you let go of anxiety, you let go of depression, and this is a a fantastic uh, recipe against stress, and I think it's very practical and uh, and relatively easy to implement.
1: So the idea of starting over is a good thing. Have you had to um, implement these things into your own life, John? And, and had an ability to start over?
3: Uh, yes, I have. Uh, I mean, actually, uh, when I started uh, to write books, um, I went into a, a new direction completely because um, uh, previously I was doing something else. And um, uh, the way I started to write books uh, is, a, is a bit also uh, out of uh, frustration because uh, for many, many decades, um, I have been a voracious uh, reader of uh, philosophy, psychology, history, and at a certain point, I grew uh, quite uh, upset, quite uh, unhappy uh, with the kind of books I was reading, because I find most of them, I have to say, quite unrealistic, because they give you uh, vague uh, recommendations, uh, very imprecise, very much uh, fluffy, and uh, what I wanted to have were specific uh, practical prescriptions.
1: So I started did, at a certain where, point... Uh, yeah. Where did you find that? Where did you find the practical Descriptions. Yeah, Where did you I, find that? Go ahead.
3: Yeah, I started uh, at a certain point um, uh, to write the kind of books I wanted to, uh, to read, very practical, very much based on facts, based on biographies, based on history. And I have to tell you, the transition um, to uh, writing books uh, is not easy because it takes a lot of work. But at a certain point, uh, when you see that uh, you want to, to take um, your life into a new direction, I think uh, you have to put the effort and eventually you will get there.
1: Well, how are these books received uh, in the public? How are these books received? Well,
3: it's good to say that um, um, the, the books are relatively popular in the U.S., uh, not so much in other countries, because um, the, the personal development uh, culture uh, is not equally developed uh, in other countries. I mean, you can see there's a huge difference, for instance, between the, the U.S., and um, the UK, also in Germany, where the books are also sold. But uh, these kind of subjects are not so popular. It's I think it's an American, a, a truly American phenomenon, uh, also shared uh, in Canada, in Australia, uh, in these kind of countries, but uh, it's becoming more and more popular in Europe.
1: So we're, we're turning more to be able to look at self-help and the way to go in and help ourselves. Yet yeah, I see more problems arising than ever before. Um, how does that balance itself out when, when, when people are looking inward and you're you know, talking about the United States and other countries here in Germany and they're writing your book and looking inward at, at wanting to change their thought and change the way they're living their lives. The same time on the outward, it looks like there's a hell of a lot of chaos going on right now.
3: Well, um, as usual, uh, the news exaggerates uh, the negative. But uh, you have to realize that um, uh, we live in, uh, in great um, countries. Huh? I mean, Western Europe and uh, the United States or Canada, Australia. I mean, there are many countries in the, in the, in the world where it's a really a privilege and it's really a fantastic, um, uh, fantastic level of opportunity you have. It is a pity that um, when, you, when we read the news, uh, everything is massively exaggerated as though the world was going to, uh, to uh, end tomorrow. But uh, if, you ad- if you adopt a practical approach to life and you try to do uh, the right thing, um, there are more opportunities today than ever before in history. Uh, it's relatively easy to start a company. I think we can be very optimistic about the future. It's just that uh, if we just uh, look at the news, um, it's a news business. And the news business is basically to, to keep people uh, a bit scared, to keep people uh, watching the TV or watching, uh, reading the newspapers. And uh, we should not just uh, take this news out of proportion when we have so many positive factors in our culture.
1: So take some time, maybe practical, and look at it and see what truth is really in there. Because there, there's a little bit of truth in in what's being told us to the media, but a lot of it has been coated with, with things to make people afraid. Um, I'm still trying to figure out why that's going on, but then I decided instead of spending my energy figuring out the why, which seems there could be so many reasons um, for it, I wanted to talk about spending more time putting the energy into achieving something different and looking at something different and and an effective way to cope with um, anxiety and worry. What are... What are some of those effective ways to deal with that? Because that, you know, there's adversity in life. We want to talk about adversity, but a lot of the adversity I find in my own life and I find in, when I'm looking around with my clients, the adversity is something that is self-imposed upon them by their belief system.
3: Yes. Um, one of the practical approaches uh, to reduce anxiety and uh, depression and stress is to really to learn um, uh, to get a sense of proportion about uh, the figures. Uh, behind the problems, so and let me just explain this because it's absolutely not uh, self-evident. For instance, imagine that uh, someone is very depressed because uh, he's out of the job and is trying to get uh, a new position, and it takes so much, so much effort. And after a couple of weeks, uh, still unemployed and, and really completely desperate. Now, what happens in this kind of situation when people become so stressed and depressed is because most of the time. Uh, we don't have uh, a good feeling for the figures for how much um, effort it takes to actually succeed, uh, which is the same uh, when you are dating or when you are recovering from, uh, from a severe illness. If you get a realistic idea of how many interviews you have to do to get a job, how many CVs, how many resumes you have to mail, uh, how many dates uh, you have to, uh, to go out with um, before you actually find a romantic partner, and you can get uh, an idea of the figures Uh, relatively easily if you just do some research, then you become much more um, motivated and much more focused because you know, okay, to get a good job, it's going to take me uh, 100 uh, resumes and 20 20 interviews and this is going to take me three months. And once you get a realistic um, uh, vision of the um, amount of effort and the amount of time you need, uh, you are going to be much more motivated. The problem is that uh, we tend to look at problems, at situations, very much uh, short term. Uh, We become discouraged unnecessarily because uh, we believe that, uh, okay, it's impossible to find a job, it's impossible to find this or that, while most of the time it's just that we are very unrealistic. If you get uh, to know the real figures, the real proportions, uh, the real uh, inputs uh, you have to put in, then you will become much more uh, relaxed and much more effective and you will get, uh, you will get rid uh, once and for all for this uh, stress and anxiety.
1: So when the brain knows the truth of how long it's going to take, it has something to work with um, to move forward. So it's better to know the truth and pretend it's not there. Um, I know that there's been um, some resistance to people about numbers, and I'm talking about that is is in numbers of how old I am, how much I weigh. They don't want to know. But when you do know, then you have something to work with. If, If you're pretending that you don't know the number of how much you weigh, then how could you lose weight? Right? And, and if you don't know how much life you have left, then you might be wasting it.
3: Yes, indeed. But um, sometimes it's not uh, even necessary to know the, the exact numbers. You just have to get an idea of the proportion. And let me just give you an example. Okay. Look, one of the stories I tell in my books is about uh, a, a, a man called uh, Josepha Bale uh, who lived in the 19th century. And he became quite famous in Europe because uh, he returned uh, from, the, from the war from Russia Uh, from when Napoleon invaded Russia. He he returned uh, to Belgium. He walked uh, 2,000 kilometers uh, by foot, returned to his uh, his, uh, village, and he rebuilt uh, his life uh, completely. And we know about Abel because he wrote uh, his autobiography uh, when he was in his uh, 60s, and he explained uh, how he rebuilt his life, uh, how he escaped uh, from Russia. And the story is fascinating because Abel, um, I mean, he escaped uh, from a situation where, you see, 70% of the French army was uh, basically killed by the Russians. Uh, Thousands of people were taken prisoners, and most of them uh, actually perished. And Abel managed to survive. And uh, in his memoirs, he explains uh, how he managed to survive and to keep himself motivated in a situation that uh, looked desperate. And the key Uh to his uh, success, to his uh, survival was that uh, he had heard stories, he had heard stories about other uh, veterans from the wars that managed to survive and to escape in very similar situations. And uh, in his mind, the logic was the following. I mean, if these people uh, have managed to survive and to escape uh, in very similar situations, I can do it too. And with this uh, idea in his mind, which was very, of course, very imprecise and very vague, but he had heard stories, true stories of people uh, surviving in these situations, He managed to keep himself motivated uh, while all the other uh, soldiers were basically uh, giving up and dying. He managed to survive a a very, very terrible situation. And he managed to walk back uh, from Russia to Belgium, I mean, 2,000 kilometers by foot, and to rebuild his life because all the time he kept in his mind these stories of other people who have done uh, similar things successfully. And this is a super uh, fantastic way to motivate yourself and to keep uh, calm and to keep uh, your peace of mind in difficult situations. Because if you just find a couple of stories of people who have done uh, what you really want to do, uh, you can compare yourself to them and you can say, okay, if they can do it in uh, very bad situations, I can, do it, um, I can do it too. And this is something that I, nice. I highly recommend uh, in my books.
1: Wow, that's a great story. That's a, that's a great way to keep um, a positive thought. So when you're thinking about positive thinking, is that what you're talking about? When you say you can look at somebody who's done what you're doing and keep that in your mind instead of looking at those who have failed at it but going for the, the people, people who have succeeded, is that positive thinking? And yeah, why is it's, it important? It's a,
3: it's a, yeah, it's a, it's a way of positive thinking. It's a very much uh, realistic way um, and this is the way I think uh, positive thinking uh, works the best, uh, when, you, when you not only have the desire, but you also have an example. And when you have an example or a couple of examples of uh, a right strategy to recover your health, uh, to get rid of stress, to find a job, uh, to find a romantic partner, when you have good examples, especially if they're uh, close in time uh, to your era, to your uh, environment, Uh, then you can become extremely calm, extremely motivated, and you can keep working day after day with the certainty that in the end uh, you will be successful.
1: My my grandmother used to do something too that was the opposite of that. My grandma was a great teacher for me, so I bring her up quite a bit in conversation. But she would say when I was pouting and having a day, she'd say, Christy, just look around and see somebody who has it far worse than you do and then be grateful for what you have. Now I actually like the idea of what you're saying, but look at for somebody is where you wanna be and move to that. Would both of those things help in creating a positive attitude for um, each person moving forward in their lives right now, as the world seems a little bit shattered.
3: Yes, I, I just want to give you another strategy to uh, to combat uh, stress and and uh, anxiety, which also yes. found uh, in history. And this is the the story of uh, William Turner, who was uh, was a famous artist uh, in the nineteenth century. And um, the the story of Turner is fascinating because he became um, uh, successful despite uh, being Constantly criticized by the newspapers. I and mean, you have to realize that in the 19th century, uh, the newspapers were the only media. And if the newspapers were against you, as an artist, uh, it was very difficult to, uh, to make a career. And Turner, for, for decades, uh, he was crucified uh, constantly by the newspapers. Nobody liked his paintings. Uh, The the journalist said that he couldn't draw, he couldn't um, uh, compose paintings. he was useless, he was a very bad painter. And he had to put up uh, with this massive uh, criticism uh, for decades. And it's fantastic uh, that Turner uh, managed to keep motivated and to keep uh, producing fantastic work uh, for decades uh, despite uh, this opposition. And I asked myself, how did he manage to do that? How did he manage to keep his, uh, yes, his mind uh, in, a, in a good balance? And the way he did it is, uh, is fascinating. I mean, it's, it's one of my favorite stories, because at a certain point, uh, he tried to argue with the newspapers, he tried to, to give his version of the story, but he, he failed completely. I mean, they didn't want to listen to him. So in the end, uh, what he did was to say, OK, look, I cannot convince the newspapers, I cannot convince the journalists. So I will just go my own way. I will become a very proficient, uh, very, very fast uh, painter. He, is, he actually gave up on the newspapers. He retreated uh, into, a, into a village, and he continued to produce his fantastic paintings. Uh, he, he managed to do a three, three um, uh, paintings per day. At a certain point, he was very much efficient. And uh, he just ignored the critics, and he continued to sell his paintings. He found the market. Uh, he focused on, on lawyers and doctors who could actually buy his paintings. And after 20 years, he became one of the wealthiest uh, painters in history, despite uh, having the newspapers against him. And this is a fantastic lesson. If you want to become um, uh, immune to a stress, immune to anxiety, all you have to do is to become very efficient at what you do and to ignore the, the critics and to ignore the problems. Because eventually you will become so successful that uh, all the little uh, details will be forgotten.
1: Becoming efficient at what you do. It sounds like that's what you've done, John. So, on these, you have so many great stories, and I, I read a bunch of them too that were really inspiring for people to read. Where do they go to find out about the stories? Where are they at?
3: Well, it's uh, super easy to find uh, my blog or my books, or my, I have a free newsletter as well. Very easy to find everything. If you just type uh, my name, uh, John Vespasian, on Google, John Vespasian. Uh, you will find uh, everything in a a second. It's very, very easy to find.
1: And you spell that V-E-S-P-A-S-I-A-N. Is that correct? Yeah, Vespasian. Even even if you type it uh, incorrectly, it doesn't matter because Google will
3: uh, will correct it for you, so it's uh, super easy to find.
1: Uh, so nice to have computers that will do that for us. Sometimes my phone corrects things in the opposite way and puts words out that I don't want out there, though. <laughs> so, <laughs> that's happened a few times that I've sent some crazy messages to people, and they'll come back and say, did you really mean to say that? So um, what makes people successful in all cultures, John? We need to know well, that right um, now in the world. So, Yeah.
3: Uh, basically, when the people become very much uh, balanced in their life and they, they balance their, their profession, their private life, uh, their lifestyle, and they don't go crazy in any direction, uh, this is the recipe for success in all cultures. And you see the same in the ancient Chinese, and they have this uh, Confucius and the uh, Tao, and we have uh, Jesus Christ, and we had um, uh, different philosophers, but uh, the recipes are basically always the same, eh? to keep a balanced life. Uh, not to go uh, crazy about um, uh, problems, uh, to try to have a healthy lifestyle as much as you can uh, without also going crazy. I mean, don't become obsessed uh, about health. Try to be uh, in good health. Uh, You don't have to be in perfect shape, but if you have uh, the ability to have a balanced life, uh, you will do very well because uh, this is proven by history, is the best recipe for success. And uh, you don't need to be the CEO of General Motors uh, to be happy Uh, You can have a very nice life in any profession if you have a balanced life.
1: Wonderful. You know, we have just uh, a couple of minutes left, John. I would like you to tell them one more time where they can find out about you.
3: Well, very easy to find. Uh, If you just type uh, John Vespasian on any search engine, on Google, on Yahoo, John Vespasian, you will find everything uh, immediately.
1: So easy to do that. Good. Go and look at John Spassian. And in the last two minutes, John, can you tell me one? You yeah, said so there's three reasons to be optimistic about the future. Can you give me one of those reasons?
3: Well, the, the main reason I want to give people is that uh, we live in an era uh, where it's super, super easy uh, to start a business. Uh, this is the first time in history where you can start uh, a company, a business, or to try to, to, uh, to branch out into new activities for a very, very low investment. And this is something that uh, you don't realize how fantastic this is. And there are people starting companies in Africa, in Asia, in poor countries, in difficult situations, uh, in times of uh, turmoil and You have people uh, becoming independent, becoming self-sufficient, becoming successful. And this is something that uh, make it, makes me very optimistic about the future. This is a trend uh, that is going to be with us for decades. I think it's going to become better and better. And the amount of opportunity that uh, we have today uh, is fantastic, and uh, we should not forget that. You have, you have to focus on opportunity, and you have to get um, uh, a bit, uh, you have to give a blind um, eye, and you have to give a, a deaf ear to this negative news because we live in the time of opportunity.
1: Well, oh, thank you, John, for reminding us that. So for our listeners, please go and listen and, and read more. I read a lot about John. It was really great, and it inspired me a lot, and I learned a lot. John Vespasian, V-E-S-P-A-S-I-A-N. Thank you, John, for being our guest today in the garden. I so appreciate you taking this time to be with us. It was most enjoyable.
3: Okay, many thanks. Bye.
1: Okay, thank you. And to listeners there, to everyone, um, go to soulhealerspath.com to hear more about walking through the shaman path with me and also where I'm going with Voice America's radio and where I'm going with the other radios and television stations that I'm doing right now. So keep track of that on soulhealerspath.com. And thank you for being in the garden today. Until next week, namaste and may the light of love shine upon you.
0: Thank you for listening to Welcome to the Mosaic Garden. Christy Ellen hopes that you will join her on another journey next Tuesday afternoon at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Empowerment Channel.